Motives, welcome back to the Behind Your Motive podcast. This is episode 30, and in this episode, I'm interviewing the unorthodox leader. Leadership skills are so important to learn in whatever career you pursue. I truly believe everyone should take up some type of leadership in their careers because it teaches you the best lessons and really helps you discover yourself. This is how you start today. What has been on your mind lately? Let me let me get to know you a bit more and um, tell, tell my audience a bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, so my name's Sahar Habib, or uh, as I call myself, the unorthodox leader. Um, and I've recently started up a business which is involved in leadership and career coaching. Um, it's not going to be your typical coaching business um it's actually going to be based off of a website which is launching soon so um it's slightly different and uh, some of my methodologies are a little bit out there in comparison to the traditional leadership methods which is why um, i call myself the unorthodox leader um and yeah i mean i've been in the leadership uh industry if, if we call it that um for the past 10 years i'm actually um a previous business owner and um, I, st- I started off my own business straight out of school I left school at 16 and um, started off my own business and it was actually in hairdressing so I'm a hairdresser by trade weirdly enough <laughs> um, and yeah I, I started up a studio where I subcontracted hairstylists makeup artists and photographers to different projects um, and we actually ended up running that well I say we sorry I ended up running that for three years um, and in my fourth year, I decided it wasn't for me because um, there wasn't, you know, when you start contracting people, there wasn't really a lot of work for myself to do apart from finding the contracts, letting out the contracts um, and paying people to do the work. And I didn't enjoy that. So I ventured off um, into the world of work, really, just kind of thought, you know, I need to go and try and figure out what my passion is before I start a business again because I wasn't passionate about that. Yeah. And through my journey in doing that, I found leadership and I was good at it and I loved it. I was passionate with it and it just kind of happened. And, you know, when you find your calling yeah. um, and I found mine, so I decided I need to do something with it. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, but I'm very intrigued with your username, the unorthodox leader. And I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Like what makes, what makes someone an unorthodox leader? What makes you the unorthodox leader? So the the name actually was nicknamed to me by my old managing director um, in the finance industry where I worked. Um, I got my first leadership role um, within the financial industry, which was a huge step away from the the hair industry. Um, At a very young age, I was 22 when I first got the role. And I wasn't supposed to have the job. And the reason I got the job was because of my manager at the time, our regional manager at the time, who um, my company is actually named after. His name's Michael Wilson. Um, and he believed in me and he just said, you know, you're loud, you're bubbly, you're fun, you get people, but you're not the corporate head that you would normally see in our branches. You're not the typical bank manager, but you get the best out of people. And I want a chance on you. I want to take a chance on you. Um, and people really doubted him for his decision in making that. And I knew why, because I was a young girl. I was very emotional back then. Um, you know, I don't want to say emotional necessarily. I think that's quite a, um, 
feminine maybe label to put on managers but I, I was very excitable and I was very you know just adamant that I need to be the best um and if it didn't go my way at the time I used to kind of you know think I was a failure and I needed that little bit of a boost and mentorship from leaders around me so it kind of came out of that when my managing director then turned around and said you know we didn't really think that you were going to be right for the role and Michael took the chance in you and you know you you, you might be what we would call unorthodox really you wouldn't be the typical person we would see uh, as a bank manager but you've done well and you're doing it right and you're doing it well so maybe it works what you're doing works and so I figured you know what if that's how you want to see me then that's what I'll be <laughs> yeah it's embrace it instead of uh retracting it in a sense isn't it yeah that's awesome um so your company is named after your manager yeah is that correct coach and wilson you, it's called yeah and you did that in a for um for a particular reason you looked up to him so that's why you named it after him absolutely so um he was him and i have a very weird relationship because um when i first started in my role he used to think that um again i was loud and bubbly and that i was very stubborn and he used to call me challenging um <laughs> and over the years, we've learned to work together and learn off of each other. And strangely enough, he always says this, he's like, you've taught me so much. And I think, oh my God, how have I taught you so much when you're the one who's taught me everything that I know. But we realized along the way that actually we were helping each other out. And he was dealing with somebody who was, um, as he likes to call it, challenging, somebody who would speak up, somebody who would um, go maybe against the status quo and you know, find other solutions that I felt was more suitable because I was a frontliner. Yeah. Um, and he never really experienced that before. So um, I guess for him, that was a lesson to be learned on how to deal with yeah. that and how to embrace the whole speaking up movement and being able to allow your, your people to actually have a voice. Um, and for me, I learned that actually, you know, people management is so important he was a people manager if there was ever a time where you know in our in our personal lives we might have needed to have some time away from work um he would never penalize us for that he would kind of think you know what you put so many hours into work and I know you're a hard worker and I know you'd never want to have time away from work if you needed it so you know what is more important that your men mental health and mental well-being is in a good state in order for you to perform at your best so I'd rather give you that one day to have a moment you know breathe again come back and then give me your 100 percent. and that for me was just a whole nother i've never experienced that before i've never experienced somebody appreciating their people to the level where they realize that actually i'm not counting hours i'm thinking about what um is going to motivate you to deliver the best of your performance so if you're thinking about you know if I'm in the office, if I'm in the branch, if I'm in the studio, whatever it is that you're doing, but your men mental health isn't 100%, you're not going to perform. You're not going to give the best delivery that you could give. So if you take away a day versus what could then potentially happen afterwards is having two, three, four weeks off, um, you know, you, you're, you're better off giving up a day for it and you're better off listening to your people, listening to their needs. So we, we learn off each other so much. So absolutely, I, I look up to him. He is one of the greatest people in my life still to this day. That's awesome to hear. Um, and obviously, is that impactful that you've actually named a business after him? That's, um, yeah. that's huge. And with a leader like that, you look up to someone like that, don't you? Like, 
you you model him um, and you really want to work your hardest for someone that actually respects their workers in a sense uh, as opposed to someone that like gets 110 percent out of you without ever like caring about you exactly individually and yeah. I just like I'm not too sure if you're into the cricket um, but I watched uh, a master class on leadership mm. with Ricky Ponting and everything and uh, today mm. actually so it's very <laughs> weird how <laughs> we just spoken and then I just watched that uh, yeah but the the best thing they did as captains of the Australia side of the England side is actually get to know their players, get to know their personality types and and cater to that personality type. Like if they say something particular in a group meeting, they know that maybe three or four people won't agree and won't um, react the same way as the others. So they have to change the way they speak. So it's yeah. leadership is so much more than just being a boss. It's, it's just like leading a tribe to the, yeah. to the same direction. And so how do you impact your audience? I know you have an Instagram page and I know you have the website developing. How are you helping your audience grow? So for me, I think at the moment on my Instagram page specifically, I'm trying to kind of just build up more content around some of the common queries that I find from my clients. Um, so some of the common challenges, some of the common conversations that we tend to have. And I try and just put my vision and my view of it out there because I do recognize that leadership is, there's no right or wrong, but there's a good and a bad way to do it, right? But you can't say there's a right and a wrong way because everyone's different and everyone will, um, you know, lead different types of people. So you can't ever have just, you know, an umbrella of how leadership should be. But I do believe that giving um, some ideas around ways to work around challenges, some solutions, maybe even some topics of conversations that tend to happen often, just giving an overview of how I've done it in my career and how I've managed to make that a success in my career can maybe help somebody um, along the way just figuring out a different way of doing what they're currently doing and maybe not overcoming. But eventually, what I want to do is I want to move away from the whole Instagram and the face-to-face -face and the um, coaching that I do with my clients and move it onto the online platform, which is going to be a website where I'm going to do the um, training delivery. And it's going to be online courses that are going to be available for free. So they're going to be bite-sized coaching. Because I do believe um, having over the, over the last 10 years coached people, people's you know, attention span are going to be about 30 minutes of their time, right? And then they're going to be completely zoned out. And it doesn't matter how inspired they are, you've got 30 minutes of attention span when somebody's talking or when you're talking to somebody about yourself. So there's one-to-one -one coaching, which I think is effective in delivering a 30-minute session. But when you're talking about delivering several different solutions to people and allowing them to pick their own solution, being able to search and say, look, I'm finding it difficult having a challenging conversation with my team today. So or I've got a challenging conversation coming up with my team tomorrow. How do I figure out different solutions for that? What can I do that will help me overcome that fear? Or how do I have that conversation? And you can maybe just search challenging conversations and have several different videos come up that are five to 10 minutes long. And essentially, that's what the bite-sized coaching will be, 
you can then use whichever solution you feel is most suitable to you without having to lose your attention while you're watching it. So you can just quickly have a view of, okay, you know what, in five minutes, I found what I needed to look for. Or no, actually, this isn't what I needed. Let me try another one. Let me try another solution that I might be able to use. But again, you're only taking up five, 10 minutes of your time viewing that. It's a lot more useful, I think, especially for people who feel they're not built for receiving coaching. One-to-one coaching, you need to be willing to get it. You need to be willing to receive it. You need to be able to commit to it. So it's a whole other world. It's a different world. And I feel that we've got, you know, it's a very um, packed industry. We've got a lot of coaches out there, amazing coaches that are delivering one-to-one, you know, support. But I want to change it and I want to bring it onto digital e-learning platform. And that's how I want to impact my audience is just giving them that opportunity to, to take as little time as possible out of their day, but finding the biggest solutions that they can. That's ideal. And like you said, we have attention spans of goldfishers nowadays. So it's <laughs> you need to have the five, 10 minute short spikes of inspiration and, uh, and, yeah. and tips really. They're so useful. Uh, and I'll, I want to speak to you about something after this uh, mm-hmm. about the Instagram and everything, but I won't touch on that now. Yeah. Uh, but in regards to your target audience, like through your Instagram and through the website, who I want to ask, like, can anyone become a leader or do you have a specific target audience that you're, that you're catering towards such as like maybe managers and, and all that type of stuff? That's a good question. So I guess, if, if we're looking at it objectively in my business plan, my target audience would obviously be business owners, aspiring leaders and leaders. In reality, I actually cater to um, university students as well, um, people that are in enterprise and entrepreneurship programs. Um, there's a lot of people as well who aren't necessarily going into leadership roles or wanting to be leaders and they're just simply wanting to develop leadership skills. Now, I do believe that anyone can be a leader, and I do believe we all have to have leadership skills in life, because if you think about leadership as just a manager or a boss in a company, um, all of the things that they're doing, all of the traits and attributes and actions that they're delivering while they're leading a team, for instance, in um, the office, again, a branch, studio, wherever you're working, even in in a retail shop floor. Um, it's all the actions that you will need when you're trying to make a relationship survive, when you're trying to parent your children, when you're trying to coach a, you know, little leagues football team. It, you know, there's nothing there that you can't use in your everyday life. There's, there's no reason why you can't use leadership skills, you know, even just going to a local shop, you know, speaking to people because leadership skills include influencing people to to doing things, right? And why would you not want to develop that skill? Why would you not want to be able to influence people around you to do the things that you want to do in order to achieve the things that you want to achieve? And and that doesn't mean in a selfish way necessarily. It could be a community project. It could be anything. But the point is that developing leadership skills essentially is helping you develop being able to influence people to doing things, inspiring people to do things and motivating them. And I don't think that that's a skill that is lost on everyone who isn't a manager. I I do believe that everyone's suited for that. So yeah, I mean, I guess if you're looking at it in reality, I would say the target audience would be anyone who wants to improve on their leadership skills in life and they can really apply that. I mean, there's a lot of people who are retail managers who tend to kind of say, 
well, you know, I manage a shop floor is completely different to managing an office. But how is that different? If, if anything, actually, that job is probably a lot more challenging because it's yeah. a lot more practical, right? So in, in essence, you're actually looking at a more challenging managerial role there than you are the, to the person who's in an office who is more theoretical in a sense. They're more about coaching on a daily basis. They're more about trying to identify needs where people are maybe uh, needing support. Whereas in, in a shop floor, if you're, for instance, a retail manager, you're not just doing those things. You're also trying to manage the whole system of the shop running, you know, from rotor yeah. systems, from Definitely. being able to make sure people are supervising the right way and on time because not everyone's there for a lifetime, right? It's more of a, sometimes it's a bypassing role. You're kind of there yeah. quickly and out quickly. So it's a more challenging role. So I don't see why you wouldn't want to develop leadership skills that can help you overcome the challenges that you're going to face during that time and i totally agree with you i think leadership skills uh anyone can implement and any and everyone should really learn and that's another downfall of our education system is that we never inspire leaders yeah. to become leaders yeah. we inspire workers in a sense yeah. um yeah. so leadership skill like i've become i was a manager in my last job and I was a manager of my previous job before that. And like that alone, just getting thrown in the deep end gives mm. you so much experience mm-hmm. and gives you so much like real world, real world, like case studies for yourself to improve yourself in a sense. You, you experience yeah. so much through being a leader and it's not necessarily yeah. in a management position. Like you said, it can literally, you can literally lead anything. And yeah. it's just, um, it's just a matter of, getting the people that you lead believing the same things that you do isn't it yeah absolutely and, it, and it's a it's a it's a shared um it's the same result you guys want the same result at the very end the same outcome in yeah. a sense that's awesome exactly um i don't think i've ever spoken to someone that specifically caters towards leadership so this is a new experience <laughs> for me as well yeah um good what qualities make you a leader I wanted to ask you that as well. What qualities do you think make you a leader? Okay, that's a good question, actually, because probably one of the things that I touch on a lot when I speak to people. Um, so, okay, qualities, I mean, there's, there's very obvious ones. There's, you know, being able to, to listen to people, being able to understand people, being able to um, have a transparent and honest relationship with people. But there's four things that I say um, create good leadership teams and and you as a leader need to be able to embrace these. Um, So for me, authentic leadership is what I focus on. And I call it authentic leadership because it's what I've experienced. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if that's an actual scientific term for or if there even is an official term. Yeah. But that is what I call it is authentic leadership. And the reason I call it that, and again, I come back to, Michael Wilson the you know first leader that I had that I looked up to and learned everything from um, and he was authentic he did not walk in expecting to be respected he did not expect to be put on a pedestal he walked among us um, and he, he he walked with us and he listened to us and there was you know, certain um, things that needed to be done at a regulatory basis because obviously we were in the financial industry um, and if it wasn't done because it didn't need to be done, i.e. if we needed to do X amount of coaching sessions a week with people on a certain topic, for instance, a certain subject, and I knew that wasn't broken in my branch. I knew that wasn't something that I needed to work on and I needed to focus on a different subject. 
if he questioned me and he challenged me on that and I said listen Michael that's not a broken piece in my branch that's not somewhere I need to focus on I need to focus on this area he trusted me to know that I know my people better than he does and I know how the operation of my branch runs better than he does so he didn't question he didn't say well you need to get this done no that's fine you know what Zaha you've given me a good enough example um, and reason for me to go back to the head of the head of the division to say, you know what, she didn't need to do it. This is what she's focusing on. And this would have been a problem next week had she not focused on that. So for me, authentic leadership is the biggest quality. And with authentic leadership comes being able to retain talent. And the re- the way you retain talent is by being able to um, be transparent and honest with your people. Mm-hmm. being able to cater to their needs because you're serving them you're, you're you're a leader right so you're serving the people that are working for you they're not serving you it's not the other way around um and also being able to give them a light at the end of the tunnel which is the succession planning so succession planning means you're not expecting to promote people into roles just because they're experts right you need to help them transition from expert to leader smoothly so it means that you need to be able to pick out your talent prepare them for the next step so that when they do move on, you've not thrown them into something that they're not prepared for and that they're going to walk away from when they're actually meant to be there, but they've just not been given the right support. Um, And lastly as well, for me, it's building a culture that is well balanced. You need to be able to have the quality to understand culture wins at everything in leadership. You need to be able to have fun and play with your team at the same time as you need to be serious and running a business, you need to know this is a business. There are business needs. I'm not going to be everyone's friend. I'm not always going to make popular decisions. But at the same time, if there's nothing wrong with a bit of office banter, there's nothing wrong with being able to take your team out and have a, you know, drink with them and being open and honest with them, being yourself essentially. And so to me, I think there's, you know, really one quality underneath that. That's like an umbrella of everything else that I feel. And that's being authentic. That's being able to be yourself and not being afraid of being yourself. And I think I put up a post about this the other day that I think you might, I, I don't know, was, it was you that commented? I don't know, it might have been somebody else. But I said that um, if your, you know, true leaders are able to walk among their people without fear of getting lost in the crowd, because a lot of people don't want to be authentic. They don't want to be themselves. They think they need to put this face on that I'm the boss, I'm the leader, because they're scared that they're going to lose the respect of their people if they suddenly become themselves. And that's probably the, one of the biggest mistakes to make, because if you're not yourself, your people won't actually look at you and view you as a, view you as a person. They'll look at you as a boss. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at somebody as a boss, you'll fear them. And you're trying to please them and you're not doing things for yourself. And if you're not working for yourself, you're not going to perform at your best because essentially you're trying to do something to please someone else as opposed to achieving your own goals. Right. So authentic leadership for me is the absolute number one quality. And again, you can open that umbrella up and see what's underneath there. There's so much that goes within that. But I think it speaks for itself. Just just be you come into work and be you and be yourself and don't fear that and, and that's honestly what I did every single day I, I don't think there's ever a time where I've been in a leadership role and I've, I've been in several different leadership roles not just one or two over the past 10 years and there's never been a time where I've come into the office and pretended to have a different personality than how I'm talking to you right now yeah. so you know th- there was never a time where my staff would see 
a different personality on me when we were at a Christmas party to when we were in the office. They just knew that I had a business head on and that it meant, you know, this isn't all work. Sorry, this isn't all play. There's work involved with it as well. So I think that, I that. that really helps you. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that makes it very clear. And to put a different perspective on it, because maybe some people are into sports that are listening to this as well. I, again, yeah. going back to the interview that I listened to today, yeah. um, Ricky Ponting, when he wasn't a, he wasn't a natural born leader, right? He's the, mm-hmm. He was the captain of the cricket side, right? So he wasn't a, a natural born leader. When he was in under 13s, uh, when he was 13, sorry, years old, he was playing in the under 17s. So he was playing with all the leaders anyway. So he was never in that leadership position, right? So when the Australian team came up, he got asked to become a leader. And when he actually, when he accepted that, he never put himself onto the pedestal. He never raised himself above everyone else, like you mentioned. Okay. About he never, he wasn't never fearful of being in the crowd, in a sense, yeah. like you just mentioned. So yeah. he was still himself. He was still authentic when he was leading him. And that really resulted in positive results because yeah. they won five, whatever you call it, five um, championships in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it, it totally matters. If he put himself onto a pedestal where he was the boss and he was feared, then people would not have performed the same way in a sense, right? A hundred percent. And that's what you that's what you go on a lot through your posts. And I, I, I love yeah. your posts. That's why I want to oh, reach out you to so you. Much. Um, in regards to mindset and I, I focus a lot on mindset through this podcast and my posts. Um, what do you think is the mindset required to become a leader and to actually have leadership traits, uh, develop over time, I guess. Okay. That's a good one. I think, um, okay. When we talk about mindset, you need to have an open mindset. You need to be, um, you need to have an adaptable mindset as well. You need to accept that you are going to be wrong. I think one of the one of the biggest things that I see in old school leaders, as I call them, is they have this barrier up. They close themselves up from up from being authentic because in their mind, they're thinking that I'm the boss, I'm the leader, and I I need to know everything. And if I don't know it, I'm too embarrassed to say it. Mm-hmm. And that's usually when you see things go wrong and you see teams fall over and and people leaving or you know, there's a lot of failure that comes with that. I think you need to have the mindset that you need to accept and adapt to the fact that firstly, you are always going to be learning, right? You can never master leadership. That's impossible because it, it grows with time. It, it, if you look at what leadership is today to what it was 20 years ago, I could not sit here and talk to you about authentic leadership 20 years ago because back then how we operated businesses were completely different to how we operate them now. People didn't have as many options to go and work for themselves as we do now. We've got so many digital options in order to work for ourselves now. We didn't have back then. So they were desperate to be kept in their roles. Um, You know, we didn't really talk a lot either about what it meant to go into your career. How do you you swap from one career to another as we do now? Because um, universities, especially nowadays, talk a lot about being able to set yourself up for success when you're going into your careers, right? Being able to prepare yourself for your interviews, being able to find a network with people who are going to take you to that next step. So people are catching on to all these things that we didn't have 20 years ago. So leadership is constantly moving forward. So you need to accept that you are never going to master leadership and you're constantly going to be learning. So if you don't 
have a development mindset if you don't have that mindset of you know yeah you need to you need to know you know what i need to constantly learn um, I'll give you an example myself. I read leadership books like you wouldn't believe. I buy any leadership. I don't care what the reviews are. I'll buy everything because there is going to be something in there that I haven't learned before uh, that I can take away. So even if somebody's reviewed that as a poor book um, or you know, I didn't take a lot away from it, great. That might not have worked for you, but I'm still going to try it because I don't know if there's something in there that I could take away and apply so to it. my role. Yeah. So I think you need to have a development mindset. You need to accept that you need to continuously grow and learn and, and, and that you're never going to master it and you're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong and that's okay. Just get up, dust yourself off and move forward. Yeah, and you have to, I feel like that becomes transparent as well with the team. You have to be transparent with the team. Like if you always uh, hide that away, hide your insecurities away, you'll never become uh, likeable you'll never become yep. relatable to your team. And if you're, Absolutely. and that just automatically puts you up on a pedestal because your team automatically thinks, oh, he knows everything. She knows everything. Um, Absolutely. That's not what you want, right? You want to be relatable. You want to show Absolutely. your insecurities because Absolutely. once you show your insecurities, your whole team can show their insecurities and grow together. Um, Absolutely. And I remember you mentioned university. How, mm-hmm. how are you teaching What's the most important parts about leadership for university um, university guys and girls? Because I know there's a lot of my audience uh, in that age range, so it may mm-hmm. benefit them as well. How can they learn a bit more about that stuff? Okay. That's, uh, so basically, the where I categorise students in terms of leadership at the moment is millennial leaders, okay? So um, millennial leaders are the ones who are the complete opposite to old school leaders. They're not, they don't have that I'm the boss mindset. They're actually more about their people. They're very people driven, um, but they're overly people driven. They don't have that balance because they have the fear of being disliked and they have this idea that, you know, if we look at Google, if we look at um, Apple, these places, They've all painted a picture of, you know, we've got the ping pong tables, we've got the sleeping pod, all that. So it's all fun and games, and that's how our people perform. But what they don't see is what happens behind the doors. And you have some amazing leadership happening behind the doors. There's some balance between business and pleasure that happens on there. And that's what I said to you about before about culture, being able to develop that balanced culture. Um, and what I find a lot with students that are going into entrepreneurship and starting up their own businesses, and I've worked a lot with students that have started up their own businesses over the past 10 years, um, and what they tend to do is they tend to stay in, in millennial leadership mindset. So they want to have a fun culture. They want to be, you know, people driven. They want to make sure they're taking care of their people, and they believe that's what brings revenue in. And in, in, any, in any fact, actually, what they're doing is they're retaining talent. Absolutely, they're retaining talent. People will want to work for them. People will want to be there. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. But they're going to lose revenue, and that's why you see a lot of them tend to fail in their first two years. And I know businesses always have a rate, you know, there's a high rate. There's 80% of businesses fail within their first three years. That's a, that's a given fact. You're not, going to fail, you're not going to fail to work around that. But, sorry, you're not going to succeed in working around that. But what you can do is do whatever it, whatever is possible for a good business idea to flourish and succeed through your leadership methods. Okay, so it's about being able to balance that culture. So again, we come back to what I actually talked to some of the uh, students about in the universities or millennial leaders, as I called them, is how when they set up their business, first and foremost, 
to avoid um, hiring friends and family. That is the number one mistake I see happening in students that are starting up their business. And I know why they do it. There's a, you know, there's a clear uh, reference to not being able to afford to hire people and wanting your friends and family to help out. And that's understandable. And also because you want to take people up to succeed with you. So you're kind of thinking, you know what, I've got a great idea. I've got a business that I've set up and it's going to work out. It's, it's a great idea. I've got investors involved. Um, and I want to take my friends and family up with me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I understand that. But when you've got a startup business and you're working so closely to them, you start to lose the, the whole mentality of leadership because you start to forget that you're not their friend anymore. You're not their brother. You're not their sister. You're actually their boss. And what you need to do is you need to be able to drive and influence uh, performance out of people through leadership. So you need to be balanced, again, with that culture of having fun and being able to draw the line where it needs to draw. So for students, I think it's important from day one when, um, you know, they start to think about starting up a business before they even think about how to run a business, before they even start thinking about how they want to start, the, you know, build the structure of their business, who's going to work for me, who's going to do what, where am I going to start, you know, do what am I going to do this next month, what am I going to do with this next month, they need to start thinking about developing their leadership skills. And that's going to help them so much in terms of that, that um, revenue loss that they tend to find when they usually start off with the whole people mindset. And they'll be able to balance out the people and business. They don't have to lose their authentic, yeah. you know, want for being a, pers a people person. They can still be a people manager. Um, but it just helps them become business focused in terms of revenue. And, and, and let's face it, when we talk about leadership in business, when we talk about leadership as in if you're, you know, wanting to be a lawyer, for instance, or if you want to be a doctor, whatever it is that you're studying in university you're going to have some form of leadership role at some point um, and you need to be able to remember that as much as we talk about people and having fun and, and making them want to stay that's to be able to then make money to keep the business going okay we, we're all about money aren't we that, and that is a fact because you, you yeah. won't have a business if you're not making money so you need to learn to tie the two together you're retaining talent in order to uh, make a profit make so cre create revenue to make a profit rather um, so if you don't know how to balance those two things, if all you're doing is making revenue, you're not going to increase your profits because you're going to continue to lose talent. So that's the old school leader. And if all you're doing is um, retaining talent, you're going to lose your revenue again equals zero profit, which means you've got no business. So you've got to bridge that gap. And I do believe that we start off by bridging that gap with our millennial leaders. I do, that's why I'm so invested in being involved with universities because I do think that if we can get our new generation leaders up to authentic leadership now, then once the old school leaders are gone, we haven't got a problem anymore and we're just continuing to grow on that. That's awesome. Um, I've, got, I've got so much to talk about with that, uh, but I did want to just narrow it down and ask yeah. you how... Uh, what are the fir the first few things someone can do to get started? Like uh, there may be a, a leader that's wanting to flourish a bit and take on more responsibility in their job, maybe uh, want to start up their own business and is unaware of the leadership difficulties. Like what are the, what are the first few things that someone can do, like the easy steps at the start to get them going? Okay, so I would say there's one step that I would say to start off with. 
if we're looking at it overall as in you know you you want to flourish as a leader whether you want to start a business or you are in a leadership role or again an aspiring leader and that's to find yourself a mentor mm-hmm. and um it's such a cliche but it's so true honestly that I had probably about four or five mentors when I was in my leadership roles one of them you know being Michael Wilson but him being my direct line manager made it a lot more difficult to be able to maybe overlook as in some of the issues that I was facing he would view as the way that he knew me right but having an outsider who doesn't work with me who I don't work for and um, was able to look at it in a different way and was able to support me with different solutions. So I would say if you're starting off in, in, on that journey, on that path towards, you know, leadership excellence, you need to have mentors. Um, I would say probably two or three different mentors that can help you flourish and really learn what your challenges are. And there's obviously so many different things that people can do. But if I'm going to give you one step without rambling on, I would say finding a mentor is going to be your first step to anything. And, and they're going to be able to then help you with your next step. Because they can then tell you all the other things that I could sit here and tell you about, about finding out your leadership style. What are you, you know, what do you need to develop on in terms of the four pillars of leadership, um, which is done through a survey questionnaire. And you can figure that you can literally find that on the Internet and do that yourself. You know, so you can find out what, okay, what am I a really high percentage of in that pillar and what am I a really low percentage on? So how do I balance that out? They help you do all of those things because they've been through that journey. But in order to find a good mentor, you need to first have an ideal leader in your mind. So I always say, go back and think about the best leader that you've ever worked for. What were their qualities and what made them the best leader in your eyes? And if you can find that in someone, then that's your mentor. That's the person that you're aspiring to be. And that should be your mentor. And that's who you want to emulate. That's awesome. Um, I, I can definitely I can definitely agree to that where my last job, uh, I recently got let off due to COVID and everything like that. Uh, but my last manager, he was the owner of the business. And the way he managed us was just mm. awesome. Like he, there was one time where uh, I stuffed up. And I knew I stuffed up and we had the <laughs> early morning meeting uh, and I was really bracing myself for a spray from him. And uh, the meeting came around and he started speaking and he mentioned it and I'm like, oh crap, here we go. And he, the way he handled it, it was amazing mm-hmm. and I'll never forget it. And that's like the, that's like the last thing I said to him when I, um, when I actually like shook his hand and mm. moved, moved away was he didn't take all the pressure onto me. He didn't direct mm-hmm. the conversation to me. He directed to mm-hmm. everyone. So yeah. it's just like, it's so simple, right? Yeah. And like people listening, you're probably like, oh yeah, no shit. Like obviously you have to do that. But it's this, it's in the spur of the moment and just his instincts yeah. was just like, okay, from now on, we don't do this. Yeah. Not like, Yash, you don't do this. Yeah. From now on, we don't do this and this is how we move forward and this is how we get better. Like it's just and that. what an impact that's made, right? Oh yeah, and exactly. It was it was probably I don't remember what happened yesterday, and I still yeah. remember that that happened two three months ago yeah. in a meeting yeah. on a Wednesday, and Insane. it's it's just stuck with me, and I don't think it'll ever mm. lose its impact because of the way I felt afterwards is just so much different as a worker, yeah. as an employee, where I'm just like, oh crap, <laughs> he's he actually values us in a sense, yeah. 
and think about what your mental well-being by the way sorry was was leading up to that moment and had you had somebody direct that conversation at you and, and putting that blame on you in future you would have feared going to your yeah. boss with mistakes and then you would have tried to hide them and that's where errors start to happen and that's where we start seeing again teams toppling over so what an impact that's made what a difference oh, yeah. that's made to you and in, in, yeah. in your mentality oh yeah and um like i didn't leave the job in bad terms uh we, we i loved everyone there that we we all work such we, we all works in such great collaboration that's what it's all about and like we could literally go to the manager to the boss with anything and he'd yeah. almost be like okay yeah let me handle it or like let's handle it together like he wouldn't yeah. say no go do, go do it he'd be yeah. like okay how are we going to work through this how are we going to get better um how are we going to accomplish it and it's it's yeah. so different to some leaders that i've worked for where they're they're just so i forgot what it was called i remember studying it in year 11 in business but there's like different leadership levels and they're at the very top and they're always demanding the autocratic leaders, leaders. yeah the they're the, yeah yeah or, um, or if you want to call them dictor dictatorial leaders as well that's another leaders. one yeah yeah like like you said there's benefits and positive there's benefits and negatives to each one uh they work in their own right but i wouldn't want to work for someone that's like a dictator that's telling us what to do exactly and that's why you need to know those four pillars of leadership. You need to know what percentage you are in each one. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with having some form of autocratic leadership yeah. within you, right? And I'm the first to say that. And I guarantee you, if you ask my old, uh, one of my old employees, Paige, who's still a very good friend of mine, she'll always say to you, you know, that I, I was tough. I was tough when she worked with me. But I used to always say to her the reason that I was tough with her, for instance, maybe slightly tougher with her than I was with others, and I had a little bit more of an autocratic leadership method towards her than others was because I didn't feel she believed in herself the way that I believed in her. Mm. So it wasn't so much of the I'm the boss side, but it was more of the, you know, do as I say, because I guarantee if you do as I say, you're going to be so much better yeah. at it. And, and, and I, I honestly, you know, looking back at it, there would have been other ways that I could have done that. And that was a very early part of my leadership um, journey. So for sure, you know, when I look back at it now, I'm like, maybe I could have dealt with it differently. And that's what you learn as you grow, yeah. as you grow and you move forward. But it wasn't like I was like that 100% of the time. And she actually always says to me now, she's like, thank you so much for having done that. And mm -hmm. she's moved up in the world now. She's, you know, she's doing so well. And she's like, had you not told me to believe in myself, had you not pushed me, I wouldn't have been able to do that. But yeah, it, could I have done it differently? Would she have wanted to work with me if I was like that 100% of the time? Absolutely not. She would have been long gone and she probably would have gone and worked someone else, somewhere else, and I would never have heard from her again. So I do think that knowing what your percentage is in all four, on all the four pillars of leadership is so important. And that's why I've narrowed it down into those three, um, what I like to call the three leadership styles, which is old school, millennial, and authentic. Because authentic leadership balances out all of those four pillars it balances out being autocratic it balances out being you know people manager it balances out all of those four being able to actually use them when and where necessary but not having you know 70 or 80 percent more of one style over the other because none of them are going to be if you're too much of a people manager you're not good enough if you're too dictatorial, you're not going to be good enough if you're to you know um what we if, what we we're talking about like you know being the know-it-all and that kind of you just you need to have a balance of all four pillars and and that's the only way you're going to succeed and that's why i say that there's authentic leadership because that's the smack bang in the middle i think that's going to be the title of this episode <laughs> <laughs> well, authentic leader <laughs> authentic leader how to become an authentic yeah. leader 
Um, yeah. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank thank you, you so much for joining us. I'll, I'll, I know you're probably a busy person, so I'll let you go. But um, if there was one last tip that you could tell people, what would that be? One last tip to, um, or your last, <laughs> your last thoughts, uh, and also where people can find you online. And that's a big thing as well. So mention sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, okay, the last thought that I would I'd actually like to give people is just, um, you know, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be, don't, don't be scared to learn and develop and don't ever think that you know it all. That's, that's the last thing I'm going to say is just don't ever think you know it all. Just keep learning, keep growing, you know, just keep doing what you need to do to move forward with the time. Because if you don't, you're going to fall behind, you're going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think and yeah <laughs> i hope that's good yeah, <laughs> i hope that's not too harsh because i'm going against everything <laughs> i'm just said. um but obviously i think that's true and i, and I, and yeah, I like to be honest and i like to be true um and, and so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with that as my last words in that yeah term. being vulnerable yeah. it's just being vulnerable yeah. and understanding that um you need to grow it's very simple yeah, yeah. all the time all the time um, but yeah, I guess you? if you want, if you want to have a more, you know conversation about it and talk more about it and ask questions about it, you know, I, I can't teach everyone everything. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to help people along their journey. Um, and my, my, my role isn't to be a teacher. The coaching side of it is helping you identify solutions for yourself. So it's not about teaching you anything. Um, but if you do want to have support and if you do want to see some of the opinions and, and perspectives that I put up, then find me on Instagram, um, which is the underscore unorthodox underscore leader. Um, or you can also look at our website, which is still, I wouldn't recommend that just yet. Give it a month. We're working on getting that up and running properly. I've kind of just done it very quickly at the moment, but it is www.coachw.co.uk. Um, and it just gives you a new overview of, of what it is that I do, but it is, it isn't finished yet, so don't judge me too much on that. No, that's okay, and people can find it in the description if you're still listening to this at yeah. uh, this point. Uh, be, all those links will be in the description, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I hope you thank have a great you. day and we'll speak soon, all right? Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Motives, that was such a fun interview. I hope you can check her out down below at The Unorthodox Leader. The description uh, has all her details on there. She's launching a new website soon as well. So she's going to have free courses on there to get your leadership skills up to standard. Uh, make sure to check out at, at Motivepreneur as well on Instagram, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to these podcasts, we're all, we're everywhere. We are everywhere now. I uh, hope you guys have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow in our new episode. Take care.